One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Chris, a park ranger, and have 11 years on my belt. Also, experience comes with stories, many of which are ghost or paranormal stories. This story is true. Not going to say where I work, but it is a very large park. This story took place spring of 2008. The park that I worked at had a very big drinking problem with youths trespassing all the time. We had calls almost every night. I worked nights most of my career. One day, a member of the public who were camping had called in saying that there were a large group of youths making noise and drinking. I was dispatched and starting walking over in the dark. I tried to sneak up. This was a breach of my standard operating procedure. To try to apprehend as many as I can, I managed to apprehend four. Five don't clearly remember, and all the others ran into the woods. My prediction was that were as many as twenty. People from what I saw. I radioed through to dispatch to get a couple of deputies out here to take over. Deputies arrived at this point. I was all alone in the middle of nowhere. I radioed through to try to get guided back to the more civilized part of the woods. At this point, I had already walked quite far, and radio connection was breaking up. We had bad radios back then. As I approached a part of the woods I was similar with, I looked behind me and saw someone walking up to me very slowly. I then called out, Hello. No response at this point. Radio contact was back. I radioed in saying that I have spotted someone. At this point, the figure is maybe 40 meters away. I then called out, Stop, and Are you okay? No response. As the figure came closer, it just disappeared. I couldn't make out what it was. Next day came a normal day, mentioned to my friend who had worked here for 10 years. I mentioned what happened, and he made a scared face and said it's nothing got up and walked away. In 2013, I left to work at the sheriff's office, never mentioned to anyone except some close friends while drunk. This might not be the scariest story, but I have only had a couple of other ghost stories, might put them on here later on. But this sends shivers down my spine as it is still unexplained, which makes the story even scarier. 
But I hope this interested some of you guys. I will submit more in the future. I have tried to contact some people that have worked in similar settings to see if they have similar experience, and by the looks of it, not many people have had similar experience except some guys in search and rescue and border patrol. Also, I have read some stories of stuff like this in the UK. I might update if I have seen a similar story. I am a park ranger named John and was driving down a remote road deep within the forest. I reached a point where the Mullica River ran parallel to the road. Up ahead, my headlights illuminated a large dark figure emerging from the woods and making its way onto the roadway. Approaching cautiously, I saw the figure step right in front of my car, blocking my path. I had to bring my vehicle to a sudden halt to avoid hitting this enigmatic creature. The creature before me was something out of the ordinary. It stood well over six feet tall, its body covered in wet, matted black fur. Strangely, it appeared to lack four legs, but boasted a pair of massive, powerful hind legs. As I sat there, the creature's two piercing red eyes locked onto me through the car's windshield. It lingered for a few tense moments before abruptly turning and continuing its journey across the road, walking upright with a peculiar, almost robotic, with a peculiar, almost robotic-like gait, eerily reminiscent of a human. Was this a dogman? I lived in Mexico. It's a decent part of Mexico, close to the border, minimal crime, and it's silent 99% of the time. The issue is that my family couldn't afford a telephone, and the nearest hospital was across the border. We were near the beach, so the rain would get pretty wicked. My grandmother always told us to run inside when it rained, or the owls would get you. She then proceeded to lock the steel gate in the solid wood door with four different locks. One day I asked what were the owls. She simple went stone-faced. I have never seen anything but a nice smile or the lip quiver of worry from her. So as a kid, my heart sank. She didn't give me an answer. Later that week, a storm hit and I played out by the sea. She said, hurry. The owls will make you weak to the ocean and take you away. I, being a punk that I was, stayed and splashed some more. She simply started walking away. I freaked out and followed. She was old, so she couldn't run. But even I had trouble keeping up. The rain hit us, and she locked the doors and prayed. I'm sorry. Later that night, as we were walking upstairs, and I saw something that warped what I thought was normal. Two shadows on the walls. One short and stubby, and one long and scrawny. No bigger than a child. Their size didn't make sense. They had such small, twisted figures, and the worst part, I couldn't see them. I couldn't see them. I could only witness their shadows. I couldn't tell if they were inside or had been locked out. I instinctively held my grandmother's hand and stared to where I thought they were. My grandma moved my head, so I looked forwards. The more you see, the more they see you. I slept in her bed that night. To this day, I still see twisted shadow figures. Less often, sure, but others can see them, too. They simply look past the shadows and pass it off as an illusion. I can't be in the ocean for more than 13 minutes without my body weakening. I tried to prove it to some friends, and they had to carry me out of the water because I couldn't support my own weight. You can choose to believe me or not, but that secluded part of Mexico, it was the scariest place. I ever visited. I have seen a dogman multiple times. The first time was when I was a child growing up in Alabama. My brother and I both saw it. It was about six feet tall, standing on its back legs, and had a face like a wolf, dark fur and reddish eyes. Saw it multiple times that summer, but never as close. A few years later, I saw it peering into my window while I was trying to fall asleep. My parents never believed me, of course, but I insisted on changing rooms and always kept the blind shut. 
The last time I saw one was when I was about 22 hiking with a group of friends. We were about four miles from the trailhead, and I needed to take a piss. They kept hiking, as I'm generally faster than them and knew I would catch up. When I was done with my business and turned around, I saw the same head peeking from behind a tree. Camping in the Sierra Nevadas a few weeks back when that wildfire was going on up at Wishing, wake up at 2 a.m. for no reason, lay my head back down and close my eyes until I hear blood-curdling screams echoing through the hills. I'm talking like the kind of sound that you never want to hear come from a human, kind of high-pitched and lots of fluctuation in it, like how your own voice cracks when you're yelling as loud and as hard as you can. This went on for like a minute and a half, two minutes somewhere in there. So at the time, I'm thinking that I'm hearing someone being attacked by a bear or something. But I was probably just hyping myself up over what was more than likely a fox or a big cat. But still, that was creepy as hell. Oh yeah, in that same night before going to bed, I heard twigs being stepped on just outside of her campsite, maybe 20 yards out in the woods. I kept listening, and when it didn't stop, I grabbed a flashlight and waved it through the trees, and I could have sworn that I saw something duck behind a tree. But I'm willing to admit that this was more unlikely my mind playing tricks on me. I live out pretty far north in Canada, British Columbia. I lived in a place called Prince Rupert for a few years, small population of 5,000 and very wooded also right by the ocean. I was DD for my friends a few years back and we were driving along the highway around midnight. The part of the highway we were on was very wooded. Now I was sober since I was the driver. I noticed a figure off the side of the road. It kind of looked like a bear, but very large, even for a grizzly. As we approached this creature, stood on its hind legs and looked at us approaching. It ran a few steps along the side of the road, then went into the thick forest. My hair was standing on end, and I had goosebumps everywhere, absolutely shocked. Now my friends were no shape to collaborate what I saw, but I believe I saw Bigfoot. I was standing next to the recreation center on Thetis Lake with my friend Gordon P. When we saw it, a scaly creature emerging from the lake and moving onto the shoreline. The sight was terrifying, just as we had described to others. The creature had a roughly triangular shape with dark, bulging, fish-like eyes and a mouth filled with razor-sharp teeth. A spike protruded from the top of its head, adding to its menacing appearance. We estimated its weight to be around 120 pounds, standing at about 5 feet tall and 5 feet wide. Overwhelmed by fear, we quickly turned and ran for our lives. With its webbed extremities propelling it forward, the creature pursued us relentlessly until we were a safe distance from the lake. Unfortunately, it managed to catch up with Gordon, causing a deep gash on his hand with its sharp pointed head. Still trembling with terror from our encounter with the monstrous amphibian, we hurriedly made our way to the nearest Royal Canadian Mountain Police Station. We recounted the incident to the officers, showing them the cut on Gordon's hand that was inflicted by the creature's razor-sharp fin. The authorities recognized the sincerity in our story and immediately initiated a search, more like a monster hunt in Thetis Lake. However, despite their efforts, no trace of the creature was found during the investigation. The case was nearly dismissed until four days later on August 23 of the same year at approximately 3.30 in the afternoon. Russell Van Nice and Mike Gold came forward with their own sighting of the creature from the opposite side of Thetis Lake. Unlike our encounter where we were pursued, this time the creature simply emerged from the lake glanced around and submerged itself back into the water. Van Nees and Gold described the creature's face as resembling that of a monster with a humanoid body standing at least five feet tall. 
Its skin was silver-colored and covered in scales, while a sharp point jutted out from its heels, while a sharp point jutted out from its head. The creature's ears were unusually large, and its eyes sent shivers down their spines with their horrifying appearance. I'm from Victoria, British Columbia, and my story is from there. A couple of years ago, I was going to art school, and I had a part-time job at a grocery store. Part of our art lessons was to go out into various parts of Victoria and draw buildings and such things like that. So one field trip we had, we went to a grave site, and we started drawing tombstones and stuff. I remember I sat down, and I started drawing this tombstone, and... There was a lady's name on there. Anyway, uh, I started drawing it. A couple weeks later, I'm working at the grocery store, and I'm pretty much the only one there. It's a really small grocery store, and I'm sitting there with another cashier, and then walks this lady, and I can't see her because I have my back to the door, but the other cashier that I was working with. We were talking blah, 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 and she looks at me like she was so freaked out. So I turn around and I look and I see this weird-looking lady with this long black dress on. I'm totally not lying. She was wearing this long black dress, long scraggly hair, gross-looking skin, like gray, grayish tone, and I'm northern, so I can tell people's skin tones. Anyway, she freaked me out so much, like that was not what regular people look like, so I screamed and ran away. That was like my first instinct, to just scream and run away. I couldn't believe it. Once I realized that I had screamed and ran away from this lady, I just realized I'm supposed to help. I went back, composed myself, and I said, Can I help you? She said, I don't know where I am, like in this really creepy voice. So I was so freaked out by this lady, I looked at her. I was really close, and her eyes just looked like they were held up with toothpicks, like it was just bugging out of her face. So I said, you don't know where you are. Let me call you a cab. So I said, what's your name? She said, it's Elizabeth. And just a couple weeks earlier, when I was drawing this tombstone, I remember what the name of that lady was. And this fresh pile of dirt over there, and it looked like a fairly fresh grave, and the name was Elizabeth. I was so freaked out by this lady. I mean, she did not look like she was walking. It looked like she is floating. She had no footsteps at all. It shook me up so much. It's been like five years, and I still get creeped out when I think about her. I don't know if I'd just seen that parallel between the living and the dead, but that person that I saw that hovered at me was not human. As a long-haul trucker, I've encountered my fair share of unusual and eerie situations on the road. One incident that still sends shivers down my spine happened around six years ago when I was driving along with a friend. We found ourselves on a desolate mountain road, far from civilization. Little did we know, this journey would introduce us to a chilling encounter that would forever haunt our memories. As we cruised along the winding road, engrossed in our conversation, my friend suddenly interrupted with an urgent tone in his voice. He told me to pay attention to the truck driver who had just passed us, gesturing wildly as if warning us not to stop. Intrigued by his urgency, I turned my gaze in the direction he pointed, catching a glimpse of the truck disappearing into the distance. Curiosity peaked. I kept my eyes peeled, searching for any signs of danger or unusual activity. And then it happened. A few moments later, I noticed a figure on the side of the road. It appeared to be a woman, hunched over something, her silhouette barely visible in the darkness. The image was fleeting as we were quickly approaching a bend, making it difficult to discern any details. My friend, however, had a clearer view and immediately relayed his observations. He insisted that the woman was eating something from the ground, possibly roadkill. The thought alone was enough to send a shiver down my spine. But what disturbed my friend even more was when the woman turned to look at us as we passed by. 
The chill that crept up my spine intensified, intensified in a sense of unease settled over us. The whole situation seemed inexplicably unsettling, leaving us with more questions than answers. Who was this woman? What was she doing in the middle of nowhere, feasting on something on the roadside? And why did the truck driver feel compelled to warn us as we continued our journey? The image of the mysterious woman stayed etched in our minds, lingering like a haunting presence. About ten years ago, my family and I were doing some fishing, four-wheeling in the backcountry of Colorado. This R is well out of cell phone range, and we have been here multiple times before. We usually split up into groups of two, one kid with each parent. We each have a small walkie-talkie to communicate with the other group. My mom and I got out of the jeep and proceeded to start fishing in the creek, and not three minutes later, we get a bear and bear cub by the river. We are coming back to pick you up over the radio, which is nothing new. We see bears quite often. So my mom and I hightail it back to the road and hop in the jeep. We drive a few miles upriver before we decide to head out again and fish. Well, we have our full day of fishing and start to head out of the area, and on the way out, about two or three feet off of the road, is an aspen tree stump that had been chained, sawed of at some point. Standing on the stump was the bear cub, just hanging out, playing on its own. We don't see Mama Bear, so we decide to drive by it. Even if we did see her, we would just take off down the road. So I have a disposable camera, and we stop for a quick moment to take a few pictures of it. I am literally close enough to touch it. We all stare in amazement because we have never seen a bear cub this close. So naturally, we develop the pictures. The pictures have the background, the tree stump, the road, everything in perfect focus, but no bear. Everyone in my family saw the bear, and we have no idea what happened. We all refer to it as the ghost bear. I lived with my grandparents and my mother. Grandparents were out of town on a trip, and my mom had left for work an hour prior at 11 p.m. She works graveyard shifts. This was not the first time I'd stayed at home alone, but it wasn't a regular thing. You'd think I would have fun with it and make whatever food I want, browse online without being watched, watch whatever on TV, and live the dream as a kid with freedom. I'm the opposite. On high alert, watching Disney Channel with the phone next to me. Eventually, I start to relax and get up to walk to the kitchen. Something is off. My basement door is always shut to avoid cold air coming into the main floor, and it's cracked. Me being me, a panic and freeze in my tracks. I keep staring at it and see it move back and forth for a few seconds and see it slam shut. I freak the fout and run to get my flats and shoot out the front door. With my keys in the middle of winter, snow falling, and it's fairly windy, I ran full speed down the street and around the corner to a family friend's house. I bang on the door, and they answer and ask if someone chasing me, and I said I don't know, but I think someone's in my house. I'm beyond terrified, so I called my mom from their phone and explained what happened while crying and struggling to breathe. I stayed over there that night, and my mom picked me up when she got off work at around 7 in the morning. We go back to the house and investigate. Nothing weird when we open the door to go downstairs, but at the end of the stairs there's a water trail on the floor. Leads to the back door to outside, and it's cracked open. It's unlocked, but it can't be unlocked from the outside because it's a sliding latch, and it didn't seem forced or broken, so it must have been left open. There's footprints outside the door that are kind of covered from fresh snow, but you can tell someone was there and broke in. My mom didn't call the cops, although I wish she would have, but she's not one to look into things. I could break my wrist, and she'd tell me to ice it and move on. Anyway, we called my grandparents and told them what happened. They were worried and glad I was okay. When they got back, my grandpa installed a nice deadbolt on the door. I'm 20 now, and I'm still scared in my own apartment at night, but I made sure to get a place with nice security and made friends with the neighbors in case of emergencies. 
First story is about me heading to my middle school bus stop. I lived about three, four small blocks away from my stop in a small town. I had loads of energy when I was younger, so I would get up at 5.30 a.m. to get ready for school, and once I was finished, I would just head to the bus stop to hang out. It's still pretty dark outside once I start walking 6.30-ish, and since it's a quiet town, I was never really scared to walk in the dark. One morning I was on my way there just minding my business, probably following cracks on the sidewalk, and I hear grunting, fast-paced primal grunting. I looked around for a second and made eye contact with one of the homeless men in the area, and he charged after me. I was probably four feet eleven, tiny girl with a ponytail running to my bus stop, which is marked as someone's house, and hid inside one of the bushes. It was still dark, but I could make out a body walking around slowly as if he was searching for me. After a few minutes he leaves, and I knock on the house's door and tell the owner what happened, and he lets me stay inside. Neighborhood watch homes or bus stops for kids, so I was fine. Until other kids get there. Told my mom wasn't allowed to walk there alone for months. I worked in a gun shop in Houston. One day, this guy comes in and asks what is the process to buy a gun if he is not a U.S. citizen. We had to call the BATF to find out. He was a ship captain with a Panamanian passport. He needed a pistol. He had to get a letter from the Panamanian consulate and some export paperwork before he could buy it. We asked him why he would go through all this trouble. Turns out, in the middle of the Atlantic, one of the crewmen woke up the cook and asked him to make some coffee. The cook took offense and chased the guy down and cut off his arm with a machete. The cook would be on the ship on the return trip. On the evening of July 11, 2023, I walked outside my house to investigate why my neighbor's dog was wildly barking. I live in a small town in northern Minnesota. I went through the door at the side of my house that is also connected to the garage. Anyways, while I was standing by the side of my house wondering what the dog was barking at, I looked to my right, where there was a small, empty lot full of grass and bushes, and I saw something about the size of a Great Dane with large, pitch-black eyes looking at me. It was light brown had long fur and was standing in the grass about 30 yards from me. I think its face was like a monkey. Actually, it reminded me of a baboon, but there is no way that is what it was. Anyways, I'm almost 100% sure it wasn't a dog, cat, or anything else. I screamed so loud that my neighbors ran out and started to look for whatever it was. My neighbors grabbed his rifle and walked into the lot. After several minutes, he returned and said that whatever it was growled at him, but it was hidden in the bushes. He said the growl was unlike anything that he had ever heard before. He is a hunter and is very familiar with the local wildlife. Whatever it was could be heard running off. I called the local police and reported the sighting. Has anyone else reported anything like this? I need answers. I'm fearful that it may come back. I often find myself pondering about something or someone I encountered during one of my drives through the desert on the road to Ajo. Each year, my friends and I would make a trip to Puerto Penasco, Mexico, to indulge in fishing and revel in the beauty of the Sea of Cortez. To avoid the scorching heat, we would depart from Colorado's San Luis Valley around 3 p.m., embarking on our journey to Ajo in the early hours of the morning. Around 3 a.m., it was during one of these trips that an intriguing incident unfolded. On that particular night, I was behind the wheel of a rental car while my companions dozed off. Suddenly, I was passed by a naked man sprinting in the opposite lane of the road. He moved with remarkable speed, barefoot, and seemingly determined. Startled, I hit the brakes and checked my rearview mirror, half expecting to offer assistance. To my surprise, the man swiftly disappeared into the desert vanishing from sight. 
As I continued my drive, I kept a vigilant eye out for any signs of a stranded car or someone in need, but the road remained deserted. The incident left me unsettled, leaving me with a lingering sense of unease. The following year, in the same vicinity, at around the same time of night, I found myself dozing in the back seat of the car. Briefly roused from my slumber, I glanced out of the window and beheld a striking sight. In a ditch alongside the highway, I spotted an intricately carved large stone dog, reminiscent of the stone carvings found in Chinese art. The sight triggered a thought in my mind, suggesting a connection to skinwalkers. Though I couldn't be certain, these experiences continued to intrigue me, leaving me with an enduring sense of wonder and a desire to unravel the mysteries of the desert. I want to share a weird experience my husband and I had. It happened about a year and a half ago. San Bernardino County has a place we visit in the mountains. We gather medicine or we gather some things for homo purposes. On the road where we intend to do this, the layout of the land is significant, so let me explain it to you briefly. It's a wide open road and a dead end on one side. You can see in either direction from the hill. You take a dirt road to a T-shaped. We walk up this dirt path, up the hill, to where we need to collect the stuff. We were up there picking stuff, and my husband and the dog were on one side, and I was on the other side. So my bag becomes full. I proceed down the dirt road to where our van is parked on the main street. And just before I get there, mind you, you can see in either direction. A car appears out of nowhere right behind our van and its uh, red car. There are no distinguishing logos or anything. I've never seen a car like it, but it's rather sporty looking. As a result, the car appears out of nowhere, spins around and circles around the van. I get nervous. I walk up the hill with my husband. He comes back down to me and this man gets out of the car and honks, 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 and he starts walking up the hill. I got a very odd feeling. It was really odd. My husband and I go back down the hill towards the van and he disappears. Gone, both of us were right there. Both of us were right there. The car, the man, everything gone. There was nothing in front of our eyes. My husband was there too. When I was a little kid, we lived in the country on top of a hill about 15 miles of dirt road. It's about seven miles going up once at the top. There is a valley with a nice clearing for about half a mile. One year around dusk, we heard airplanes, big ones and a lot of them. So of course we all go outside to see what's going on. It was literally raining men. Apparently the army was using our hill for training. At some point, my dad put us on our roof so we could all get a really good view. It was so cool. Someone came and asked everyone on the hill to turn off our lights. Only about six houses because it was causing the men to jump earlier or go off point. Many landed in trees and you could the hurt ones yelling and one guy landed just across our road in the power lines. My dad had to go stay with him until someone could turn the power off so they could cut him down. He was freaked out about anything touching him. Understandable. For the next week, we would see these men roaming the hills, and every once in a while, one would ask for water. Of course, being neighborly as country folk, or they always got a... Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Emil, I don't think they were supposed to make contact with us, but if a few would... I was wondering if I should share this random spooky moment that happened around ten years ago with my now ex-girlfriend. I'm also open to shared psychosis, if that's how that works, because we both heard, from the living room, the sound of plastic bag being either rubbed with itself or with another bag in my room. It was very clear, crisp, not loud enough to be a jump scare, but enough for us to hear it. We thought it was a bag that could have been blowing around in my room from the AK or something, but it was spookier after investigating and finding nothing. We looked at each other like there's no way there's not a plastic bag in here. What made that sound? These days I don't care. I still sleep in this room without her, so am I the plastic bag? A little background. We were both into horror movies and spooky stories, scenarios, and would even sometimes accidentally scare each other. Walking around the house, she was fun, but she wasn't a trickster. Even if there was a third party, say another trickster or even ghost causing the fuss, they'd still have to produce a plastic bag. My ex and I were going camping, and I found a spot not far out of town. Since neither of us had been there before, I accidentally drove past the campground and went down a logging road for a few miles. It was getting dark, and I realized we should turn back. I obviously missed it. So I stopped the car and do one of those six-point turns in the middle of the dirt road. On our left is a steep hill going down. On the right, it's a hill going up with tree stumps and some bushes. Well, as I'm turning around on the hill going up, we both see a naked, very huge dude with a smaller person on his back. They were just standing there in the bushes, and when they noticed us, started stampeding down the hill toward us. Both of us freaking out, and I finally complete the turnaround and speed the fuck out to there. We went straight back into town, about 20 miles away. We didn't go camping that night. To this day, I would have thought I imagined it. I could not tell if it was an actual person, and my girlfriend confirmed she'd seen the same thing. Second weirdest thing to happen to me in my life. It's crazy how your brain just dismisses things it can't explain. If my girlfriend was not there, I would have forgotten it happened. I'm a recreational sailor with a 26-foot sloop, so I don't venture out on the high seas. I stay coastal. One night I decided to anchor up in this protected bayou. It was summertime, and there was a good chance of overnight thunderstorms. So I carefully made my way through a pretty narrow channel that opens up some to a bayou that is protected well enough many people will stash their boat in there during hurricanes. Plus, it's usually a nice spot just to hang out. I got there late around 11 p.m., so I had to feel my way in through the dark. There was no moon, and even if there was a cloud cover was thick enough, it would have been blocked anyway, so it was slow going and a little disorienting. Once I reached the area that opens up a bit, I dropped anchor and prepped the boat in case a storm blew up. I made sure the halyards wouldn't bang around, secured the sails, stuff like that. Then I made my dinner and hopped in the forward berth with a book. Now you get used to odd noises. Boats have a way of occasionally creaking and clanging a bit. It's a part of their soul. 
Quite often you will hear a porpoise blow nearby. But this night really scared me for a bit. First, the wind picked up a lot. The air rushing by my rigging began to make it vibrate so that it was making a high-pitching humming noise. That's not scary, but it kept me awake. And since it was the standing rigging, there wasn't anything I could do about it. So I'm lying there, wide awake in the dark, listening to this hum noise. I'm not freaked out, but it's a very mournful noise. A short while later, as I'm huddled in my bunk, I feel the bulkhead flex next to me at the same time. I hear a very loud thud, followed by a splash. What the... Uh, so I race out on deck with my flashlight and work my way up to the bow. It's windy, so at first I thought maybe the boat was swinging on anchor and it hit a piling or something. I inspect the area and don't see anything I could have hit. So I grabbed my spotlight and used it to look underwater as best I could. I didn't see anything submerged either. Okay, so I'm thinking it was a dolphin or perhaps an alligator. The lightning is starting to pick up in the distance. It's still windy, and despite the fact it's summer, I'm getting chilled just standing around on deck in my skivvies. So I climb back below and try to get rest. About ten minutes later, once again, thud. Again, I go back up on deck and investigate. And again, aside from annoying a pelican who was perched on a piling about thirty yards away, I find nothing. I go back to bed. Several minutes later, thud. Splash. This went on for about two hours. I didn't sleep well at night. The next morning, before I set sail, I thoroughly searched the area. I was anchored on a soft mud bottom and never did find the piling or submerged stump or anything that I would have hit. To this day, I have no idea what it was, but it was a very freaky night for me. I still think it might have been some manner of animal but why on earth it kept coming back over the course of two hours is beyond me. I remember the day like it was yesterday. I was on duty, stationed in the Navy, keeping watch over the vast expanse of the ocean. It was a calm day, with the sun shining brightly in a gentle breeze sweeping across the deck. Little did I know that what I was about to witness would forever shake my belief in reality. As I scanned the horizon, my eyes caught something unusual in the distance. A warship, seemingly from the World War II era, caught my attention. It was positioned at a near ice distance by naval standards, and what caught me off guard was the fact that it was staying perfectly still. It almost looked like a ghostly apparition suspended in time. Curiosity got the better of me, and I couldn't tear my gaze away. Suddenly, without any warning, the warship's guns started firing. I braced myself for the deafening roar that should have followed, but to my utter bewilderment, there was no sound. The guns fired, and yet, it was as if I had suddenly lost my sense of hearing. It was eerie and unnerving. I couldn't fathom how a warship firing its guns, even at a distance, could be so silent. The experience sent shivers down my spine, and I felt a chill creeping up my back. It was like witnessing a surreal scene straight out of a sci-fi movie. In my state of shock, I decided to call over a fellow mate to witness this bizarre phenomenon. I needed confirmation that I wasn't losing my mind or succumbing to some strange illusion. As he approached, I pointed out the ghostly warship, and his eyes widened in astonishment. What in the world is that? He whispered, barely able to find his voice. I have no idea, I replied, my voice tinged with disbelief. We both stood there, side by side, watching the inexplicable sight unfold before us. The warship remained in its stationary position, firing its gun silently into the distance. We exchanged glances, trying to make sense of the impossible. Neither of us could explain what we were seeing. It was as if we had stumbled upon some otherworldly time warp or a holographic projection from the past. It defied all rational explanations, leaving us bewildered and filled with an uneasy feeling. Eventually, the warship slowly faded away like a mirage dissipating in the heat. We were left standing there, staring at the empty expanse of the ocean, trying to process what we had just witnessed. 
Till this day, I still don't have a logical explanation for what happened that day. Some say it was a strange atmospheric phenomenon or an optical illusion. Others believe it was a glimpse into a parallel dimension. But for me and my mate, the memory of the silent Y warship will forever remain a haunting mystery, a reminder that there are things in this world and perhaps beyond it that defy our understanding and challenge the very fabric of reality. I was in Georgia around 10 p.m. and saw something way up in the atmosphere, tracking westward. Trucking westward, truck was parked at a warehouse and I there to unload the next morning. Whatever I saw was bright, but way high and moving fast. I called my parents in Texas and tell them to look straight up and look to the easy for summer hawing moving west. They see nothing. We hang up. I look at this thing till it's out of my sight. About five minutes. Five more minutes pass and my parents call telling me they see it. Could have been a satellite, maybe. But that would be the first time I or they saw one in their town as there is too much city light for satellites to be seen. That was the first time I saw something in the sky that I could not explain. I-30, four female, was hanging out downstairs while my child, five male, years not months, slept upstairs in bed just like every night. I have a camera baby monitor that is close circuit, does not even connect to the internet, basically only a camera and a handheld screen, doesn't hook up to a cell or anything. Anyway, last night I was sitting on the couch watching TV when I noticed my kiddo moving around, so I started watching the monitor to see if I needed to run up and lay with him before he fully awoke. Then it looked as if he was lifted an inch or so and tossed. So then I really watched the monitor thinking I didn't see what I thought I saw. Then it was like he got scooted up. Then it was like something had him by his upper arms and pulling him up into a sitting position with his head back, like when you're trying to move someone that's sleeping and they are limp. I immediately ran upstairs and flipped the light on to find him sound asleep between the pillows covered in sweat. I called my husband in a panic because I was very freaked out and he told me that I probably didn't see it right or was imagining things and to not let it bother me. I could not get my heart rate and breathing to calm after about 10 minutes of sitting in the bed next to my sleeping kid, so I ended up scooping him up and branding him downstairs to sleep on the couch because I sure as hell wasn't going to sleep up there and neither was he. My husband said it was stupid for me to do that, but I was very uncomfortable being upstairs. My son slept through everything from being scooped up, carried downstairs and being placed on the bed, as well as me staying up for several more hours watching TV and not being able to sleep and woke up when I got up for work this morning at 5 a.m. I don't even know what answers I'm looking for. I'm freaked out and terrified of what I saw. Today I had another scary experience. It was around 4.23 a.m. I woke up from my sleep and felt thirsty, so I drank some orange juice next to me and planned to go back to sleep. After a couple minutes of quietness, I felt sleepy and closed my eyes until I heard knocking on my window, which scared me. I felt fear when I heard it because my window is next to me. It's above me by seven inches. This was the second time I heard it since a month or two ago. I remember it so well because I was up watching some cartoons around 2 a.m. when I heard knocking coming my window. And I didn't bother looking outside since there's some curtains blocking the view. I told a friend about this today and they said it was probably some branches or an animal. But I told them I sleep in the second floor of the house and there a screen window frame outside the window which is impossible for something to knock from the outside without removing the window screen. Does anyone have any experience with something or have any ideas on what it could be? A year ago, the crone-like spirit of an old woman haunted me. 
A medium explained that this spirit was my teacher in a past life and that she'd return to guide me in divination and intuition and intuition. My attempts to establish a safe relationship with this spirit were not respected, so I asked a shaman friend for help in clearing this entity from my house. The night before my friend came over, I was so nauseous I could barely sleep. That entire day, I collected things for the ritual. I had 13 red and 13 white carnations, Florida water, the bell, and candles from my own altar and sage. I felt prepared, if uncertain. When I did sleep that night, my dreams were dark and disturbing. My husband, the cat, and the dog all seemed on edge. That morning, my friend arrived shortly after my husband left for work. Opening all the window and the doors, we began setting up the space by lighting candles and smudging every corner of the apartment. The sage burst and crackled, shedding sparks among thick, fragrant smoke. I lost two good dove covers that day. Both pets retreated immediately beneath their respective beds and stayed hidden for the duration. Preparing to call the cardinal corners, my friend used his phone's compass to confirm the direction. It was way off. I know my house and my corners, and so oriented as correctly. But I felt suspicious, like maybe the entity herself was sabotaging our efforts to remove her. Finally, we began. My friend, beating a low, steady rhythm on his animal skin drum, invoked the guidance and protection of the spirit animals, and protection of the spirit animals of the earth and the sky. I followed behind him, ringing the altar bell as he spit, sprayed mouthfuls of spirit water throughout the apartment. Throughout this, two things rolled around in the back of my mind. The first, what will the neighbors think? The second was that I might vomit. The nausea I'd felt since the night before had increased past the point of simple discomfort. Next, my friend took the red carnations in batches, dipping them into a bowl of spirit water then circling them in mid-air, just like we'd done while smudging. He went room by room, discarding the used flowers under the newsprint we'd placed on the coffee table at the center of the apartment. Halfway through his work, he paused and suddenly rushed into the bathroom, becoming violently ill. In that exact moment, I lost the battle with my own nausea. Thank goodness for close friends in multiple bathrooms. Eventually, he'd used all of the carnations throughout the entire space. Perched on our couch, he ended the ceremony with frantic drumming and full-voice singing. I could physically feel the energies in my home shifting around us. I gave one last thought to our neighbors and then joined him. My throat raw from the smoke and being sick, I sang out in my loudest voice to move the energies swirling throughout my home. Finally, the ritual was over. We placed the white carnations in a vase on the coffee table. If the ritual had truly exercised the spirits, he said, the carnations would still be white tomorrow when we woke. I thanked my friend and he left. At his instruction, I then bundled the red carnations in the newsprint and carried them to the seaside, burying them in the sandy soil, nearing them in the sandy soil near a banyan tree. I was too tired when I got home to notice if anything felt different. I simply stumbled inside and fell straight into bed, briefly mourning the burn. Holes in my duvet. I slept most of the afternoon and all through the night. The following day, the white carnations were still white. I also wrapped these flowers in newspaper, burying them beneath a different tree in the park. As I covered my parcel with the last handfuls of soil, the nausea I'd felt for days cleared instantly, like gray clouds clearing to reveal blue sky. I suddenly felt fine, also very hungry. I returned to a house that felt peaceful and ordered. I paid careful attention over the next several days, trying to suss out whether our banishment had succeeded. The crone was, and nearly a year later still is, gone. Ah, well, I know that was a lot. I've had many strange and spooky experiences throughout my life. Holler if you'd like to hear more. Thanks for reading, folks. This happened to me and my then roommate a few years ago. 
We were just chilling on the couch and listening to the rain outside, when at one point we started talking about how the rain sounded like the sea and how we pictured a lighthouse on a windy shore. I know this sounds crazy and maybe like we were on drugs, but we were not. We were completely sober. Slowly but surely, the conversation between my friend and I started to shift to a visualization, or perhaps a hypnosis. It's unclear to me how this normal conversation about a lighthouse turned into the shared vision or dream it did, but at one point we were both there, in the lighthouse. We both saw a man there, dressed in a yellow raincoat. He had a weathered face and a gray beard, but most remarkably in the place where his eyes were supposed to be, there were two black holes, as if they had been gauged out and only some rotting black skin remained. We both felt this intense urge to get out, so we ran away from the lighthouse to the woods as he followed us. I'm not sure about how we woke up from this hypnosis, dream, vision, or whatever it was, but I remember realizing this was bad and we needed to wake up, so I urged my roommate to do so. After I returned to my body, I gently woke them up and we discussed what happened. When we had entered this state, it was around 12 midnight, but when we woke up, it was about 3 a.m., yet it felt like we had only been doing this for 15 minutes. The next day, we both separately drew the man we saw. We were both illustration students, without having discussed what he looked like. We drew the exact same man and had given him the exact same name, the Weirman. My question is, what was this? A state of hypnosis we entered through the rain. Foley a dew, or something supernatural. If so, does anyone recognize a figure of a lighthouse keeper in a yellow raincoat with no eyes? I worked at a state park and would regularly go days without seeing another person when my boss went away. So my boss was away one week and left his dog with me, and I was wasting time around my lunch break throwing tennis balls for him. I threw one really far away into the woods to give myself some time to eat my sandwich, and maybe ten minutes later he comes bounding out of the woods and drops this, jaw right at my feet. I didn't touch it, but it was this gray-ish mass of skin and bone with bits of torn pink flesh underneath. Then it had about seven or eight of these long, thin, and very sharp teeth sticking out of at strange angles along the jawbone. It wasn't bloody, so it wasn't something the dog killed, and it stank, so it was probably old. I left it on the concrete where the dog had dropped it, took him with me, and spent a little bit of time searching around in the woods in the direction he had come back, which was unnerving, but I didn't find anything. Then when I went back to where I'd left it, it was just gone, and suddenly the dog started growling at the woods, and his hackles went up. Right then I got in my truck. Dog jumped in back, and I went home for the day. When my uncle was in his teens and early twenties, he used to go on a yearly backpacking trip in the mountains of the Pacific Northwest near Mount Baker National Forest with a group of friends. They, there were five of them, knew each other from high school, and over the years as they went their separate ways in life, college, etc. The trip became a way for them to reconnect with one another. Anyway, the first time they made this backpacking trip, they were cresting a peak and came across a wide valley view. They were off trail and making pace cross, country, but could navigate well enough given geography. My uncle in particular is a pretty experienced outdoorsman and was even back then. To their surprise, especially given that there weren't any trails nearby for at least a couple miles, the group saw a large house on the side of a small lake. There was a small water plane parked on a dock adjacent to the house. But other than this, everything was entirely wild. No trails, no campsites, nothing. The group was shocked, but didn't think much of it the first time. It seemed to be a pretty rad house, so they assumed it belonged to some rich somebody and that it was just a private retreat. It was still pretty cool, though, so they decided to return to that mountain crest every time they went on this trip to look at the house. Well, three or four years later, when they came across the house, there was no plane on the dock. 
They figured this meant that nobody was home. This time, they decided they were going to check out the house, so they made their way down, which took a while through the thick trails forest. What they came to was a remarkably fancy, modern-style cabin home. Three floors, huge windows, a massive deck with a state of the art barbecue. Everything one would want in a sick-ass hidden mountain retreat. Cool, while they were poking around, the plane landed. Instead of running and hiding, the group decided to explain the situation. So they did when they met a nice gentleman who had flown in. He was very kind and courteous and pleased to show them his vacation house. From then on, each time they went on the trip, they would stop there for a night if the plane was present. Only one year my uncle became curious. What's the deal with this place? So at night, while they were sleeping in the house, he crept around and investigated a few of the many rooms it had. In the basement, he found what explains everything. Massive piles of weed in brick form stacked row upon row next to stacks of cash. Instead of freaking out, he went back to sleep and didn't tell his friends until they had left the next day. Not exactly spooky, but I feel like it fits in with the vibe of this threat. A few years back, my fiancé and I went up to stay at her parents' property in Northern California for a weekend to camp, hike, do some astrophotography, and generally just enjoy nature. This place is a good 20 minutes from any real town and far enough from any big city that you can faintly see the glow of the Milky Way at night. The property is pretty huge and has a cabin, but we both prefer sleeping out under the stars, so we set an air mattress in the bed of my truck and pulled up next to the pond. We got there a little after three in the afternoon, and after getting everything set up, we decided to go for a walk. This being just a quick walk, I left my phone, wallet, keys, etc., in my backpack to avoid any distractions even for just a little bit. When we got back about a half hour later, I noticed that my backpack was zipped open and laying on its side. I was sure that I left it zipped up and standing up. I was concerned and brought it up to my fiance, But she convinced me that I probably just remembered wrong, as I sometimes do. The night goes on and some clouds roll in, ruining our chance to stargaze, so we decided to get to bed a little sooner than normal to get an earlier start the next morning. After some wilderness sexy times, we hit the hay. Sometimes I have trouble sleeping at night, so while she sleeps, I'm often left laying there for an hour or so until I'm actually out. It's never bothered me too much. But this night in particular, I remember wishing I could have just fallen asleep. A little while after we both went to bed, I heard something splashing in the pond next to us. I didn't think much of it. Probably just a small animal, maybe a deer. Worst case scenario, maybe it was a mountain lion, but I've heard they don't bother campers all that often anyway, so I wasn't worried. It wasn't until I heard the word hay from somewhere across the pond that I was legitimately freaked out. My heart was beating out of my chest. I turned my head to see that my fiancé was still fast asleep, which was good, because I don't even want to imagine how she would have reacted. I laid in silence for what felt like hours, but probably just about five seconds later I heard the word hay again. This time it was a little closer than before, and I knew it wasn't just the wind or my ears playing tricks on me. One afternoon in Tempe, Arizona, a man walked into a hotel where I worked. He had a coat on a pea-green military type coat, and butcher paper. Yes, he had butcher paper around himself like some kind of tube top. Under his coat like a shirt. In addition, one of his legs was twice as big as the other. He asked to use the payphone in the lobby. I told him, sure not yet realizing how weird he looked. He was obscured by the desk and the entry door. We started out with a weird vibe the moment he crossed the lobby to the phone. When we finally got a chance to look at him, he walked a bit slow. However, this made sense as his leg appeared swollen. He then made a call and turned slightly to keep me and my co-worker in his attention, sort of out of his peripheral vision. 
Very soon, we could tell he wasn't listening to anyone, and the phone made noises like it was off the hook. I decided that was enough and demanded he leave, which he did abruptly by our side door. Now the really weird part. My co-worker took a picture of him on that payphone with an old flip phone. In the digital pixelation, he was moving, which rendered him blurrier than the rest of the picture. He looked like his face was an oversized, toothy, grinning skull. Black eyes and a hole where his nose should be. It was so bizarre. It reminds me of the story about the man made of parts and the mirrored sunglasses. A story from Victoria, England, in which a man encountered a man he thought was made of parts. Later that day, a police officer came to the hotel asking if we had seen a man fitting the same description. I acknowledged that we had and told the police officer what occurred. I then inquired why he was asking about this bizarre man. The police officer stated that the man was seen in a nearby park by a couple who later reported that the man had suddenly vanished into thin air, just a few yards away from them. This occurred in late 2019, before the clock down. I haven't heard anything further about the unknown man, or whatever he was. So, I need some advice. I live in the backwoods of NEPA, and yesterday, while hiking into state game lands, I heard my nephew screaming for help. Mind you, I am three miles from any roads, and they were miles away shopping. My dog was terrified. I was wary and ignored the yelling and just pretended it didn't happen. It went off and on for an hour or so, and then silence. I continued my way back home through the woods when I was done. Last night, after a bunch of storms rolled through, I hear my dog's collar tags tingling outside, like he's running, walking all sorts of tingles. He was next to me, his collar off for the night. He then proceeded to go hide upstairs next to my dad for the night. He's never done that before. Am I experiencing a skinwalker? Am I experiencing a skinwalker? I feel like I led something home yesterday.